Welcome everybody, you're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you're with the double L team, Lyle and... Lawson. Lawson, what are you what are you thankful for this morning? That was kind of exciting. Yeah, it was like a sonic boom. A sonic boom. Okay. Oh, what am I grateful for this morning? Let's see. Oh, okay. Um, I... I'm so grateful. <laughs> my 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 little sister, she's she's come home from uni and she's living with me at uh, at my place, living together. And um, she's seeing that I, I work very long hours. I get home very late at night and leave very early in the morning. You know, such is the nature of my life. And uh, I got home last night, and she cleaned the lounge room. Nice. And I was like. Big shout out. You're my hero. <laughs> like, yes. Especially because like, I'll put my hand up and admit some of the mess in there was mine. And she had just decided that nah, no okay, more okay. mess. I've got to come back to that. Uh, what percentage of the mess was yours? Oh. Maybe. 55. Or 60. 70. 80. 81. <laughs> 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 uh, it wasn't that bad. It's yeah, just I'd no, been great. sleeping on the couch and she would just like packed up my blanket and made know. it look, look all nice. Yeah, it looks Big good. Big shout out to Lawson's sister this morning. You. What are you grateful for this morning? Lawson? I am grateful for my log splitter. I have the most awesome log splitter. You were on grateful the planet. for that yesterday. No, I wasn't. Was I? Yeah. Was I really? Yeah. I'm grateful for it in two days in a row. I'm still grateful for it. <laughs> Producer Shell is shaking her, head, shaking her head. You can't be grateful this for the same thing twice. I was sure I was grateful for some random thing about No, you told us all about it, how you had this electric one that yeah, wasn't okay. that good, and now right. you've gotten like this amazing new one that just kills logs for fun. It does. Eats logs I met, for I, Okay, so I'm, I'm grateful for uh, an old codger that I met last night. Oh, yeah? yeah it's like 90 years old in a week. True. Okay. And I was visiting him in the hospital, and he was just such an awesome guy. Hmm. Yeah. Big shout out to John this morning. Oh, John's listening. Shout in. out, John. He's, uh, he's heading heading home today. He's going to be with his wife. He's super happy and excited about that. So, all right. This is a reminder, you're listening to The Delayed Broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. This is Keith and Kristen Getty with Joy Has Dawned.
Welcome back, guys. That was Keith and Kristen Getty with Joy Has Dawned. You're listening to Faith FM. And Lawson, what have we got for the next clue for the quiz? Okay. This is a what first am clue I for the quiz. quiz. What am I saying? The first clue for the quiz. What am I? God said this was crouching at Cain's door. Ooh. All right. Have a think about that. How'd we go? Okay. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll get it right. So that means no double prizes up for grabs this morning. Uh, but you can give us a call, 1-800-324-843, and win a prize completely for free. Absolutely. We're going to um, look that up for you in just a moment, and uh, we'll tell you what it is real soon. But uh, before we get to that, Lawson, what have we got for positively different news? Okay, positively different news. So, Lyle, like, there has just been a lot of talk lately in especially in australia um this whole religious liberty bill um everything surrounding that somewhat of the i guess there's i guess a lot of controversy sad surrounding that not only with the type of bill it is and people's personal uh feelings and opinions on it but also simultaneously that i guess the context that it's being given in some people have pointed at scott morrison and said oh this is not an issue that we need to deal with right now but then you know people i guess from a religious side um you know from a religious bias say oh well what about you know the things that have been going on um you know with discrimination discrimination in recent times and there's just a lot of controversy surrounding that kind of thing um but this morning i woke up and i read this article that just it really just set something right for me. I, I don't know. I was like, this is the steps, not necessarily like, you know, th- how to resolve religious freedom in Australia, but it's just this awesome thing of people just being tolerant. Um, and that is that a hospital in the UK has become the first hospital in the UK to um, supply disposable sterile hijabs to Muslim medical staff. Right. Yeah. Okay. And that's different from what they do in France, where they actually ban those things. They ban them. Yeah. So in in the UK, this is this is the difference between a what you call a liberal democracy and an illiberal democracy. Mm. Uh, France has a history. If you go back to the French Revolution, uh, France was established as an illiberal democracy, whereas the United States was established as a liberal democracy. And the philosophy behind the U.S. Constitution came from John Locke, who was uh, from Britain. Mm. He was English. Um, whereas the, you know the French model, you know, had very different uh, historical roots. And you know, looking a couple of hundred years down through history, and you see the vast difference between those two different philosophies. One of the things that worries me about Australia is there's a big question out there: Are we moving from a liberal democracy to an illiberal democracy? Mm. And especially in the context of what we're seeing, you know, with this whole religious rights bill, and yeah, and what it, what it comes down to is is what it, you know, which trumps the other: freedom or equality? Is it equality over freedom or freedom over equality? Mm. Well, this ah, is heavy stuff. This is the thing where this <clears throat> this article right here just kind of throws a curveball to that whole conversation, which is, oh, how about we take personal responsibility to be tolerant to each other? And to provide for each other the the needs that people have, whether it's religious or not, and specifically for a Muslim woman, um, this 
particular Muslim woman who's featured in this article who they're interviewing. Her name's Roslyn, which is a uh, which is a, a Malaysian name. She's originally Malaysian. She's a, a Malaysian Muslim, and uh, yeah, she just talks about her her experience of you know having to being a very devout Muslim, you know, wearing a hijab in her practice, which is just like you know something that is not stare, you know because you have the classic. Uh, yeah, scrubs. Wear the scrubs. Yep. And it's like, well, you know, but my hijab, you know, it wasn't sterile. It wasn't. It wasn't a decent thing to be wearing. But now, you know, that the UK hospital yeah, system hijab is scrubs. Just hijab scrubs and is completely provided for her, and it gives her the ability to go and do her job. By I mean, if you if you work in that sterile environment, you have to wear a thing over your hair anyway, over your head anyway. Yeah. And they see those little caps that they always wear yeah. just to sort of keep the hair under control because it's a great place for, uh, you know, for germs to hide away. They they've mm. got lots of cover there. So you 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 got to wear a head covering anyway. So mm. if you want to wear a hijab, just do a sterile version of it. Why not? Exactly. But yeah, I, I was just really impressed by this. I was like, oh, man, if we if we just step up ourselves, if you know, because we, we always it always goes in circles about like, oh, whose responsibility is it? You know, we've seen this not only with the religious liberty bill, but with the fires that are going on at the moment, with the drought, all these things. You know, go the conversation goes in circles. Like, oh, the government isn't doing enough. Oh, but we need to take personal responsibility. Like, like we 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 just do. Like, we there's so many people we could blame. There's so many people we could blame. Rather. Instead of doing that, we just need to say, oh, hey, we just need to do what we can do rather yeah, than right. just sitting down. And that's exactly what this hospital has done. And I'm just they applauding They don't need any legislation to do that. They just do it. It, it. Oh, that is so... Like, no one had to write a bill to say, no, like, oh, just... you must provide sterile hijabs. They just decided, <laughs> oh, let's just accommodate for people. And they've done it anyway. Uh-huh. That's incredible. Yeah. That is amazing. And that is what we should strive to do. Christian, non-Christian, religious, non-religious. Like, we should just be in a place where we're like, we don't need... And that's the whole point of freedom. And here's like, the thing. I don't like the hijab. Mm. I don't like what it says about women. I don't like what it says about men. Mm. But I will fight for somebody to be able to wear that as a um, for their religious right, their religious liberty and freedom. Because if I don't fight for their religious freedom, they're not going to fight for mine. Mm. You know, we need to stand up for religious freedom wherever we find it. Um, and you know, there's some areas where the government just needs to butt out mm. and let people do their thing. And here you've got. People just doing their thing. A hospital just doing its thing. It's great. That's such a good point. I guess just to end on that, like it's just someone just doing their thing. We talked about um, when we were talking about the Religious Liberty Bill, obviously we wouldn't promote anything that was inherently criminal. No, of course not. Like it's like, no, 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 no. We're not not talking about um, overtly criminal behavior. Mm. You weren't talking about things that have a a moral aspect to them. Mm-hmm. There's nothing either moral or, or immoral about a hijab or a burqa or any of those kinds of pieces of clothing. The, the, the clothing style is completely amoral. Mm. And so where it's a situation where it's amoral, it's like, well, that's your, just, your, your, your religious conviction mm. between, between you and God. That's awesome. Okay, last little story here. This is something that actually I'm, I'm going to like, I'm kind of a bit split on because this article is portraying this in a really positive light, which it is. And I'm a little bit, I'm I'm like, ooh. Anyways, um, (laughs) uh, a scientist from the University of Monterey in in Mexico uh, named, his name's Dan Rosengard, um, he has created a billboard that essentially eats polluted air. Okay. Yeah, this is really cool. Um, It's like a big filter. Yeah, it's, that's 
basically what it is. Um, it's covered in a resin um, that is... Okay, this is a really cool word. It's photocatalytic nanotechnology. It's, it's this photocatalytic <laughs> nanotechnology resin that essentially um, where it reacts to sunlight and, you know, when the sun shines on it and there's pollutants in the air, it basically starts it's to absorb tree. It's this, And this is the thing I'm thinking. I'm like... Because, you know, it talks about how much air it filters. It filters about the, the same air as 30 trees every six hours. Whoa. Which is... Well, how, what size tree is that? Like a sapling or is that like a massive, and massive this is tree? Th- like, this doesn't look like a small billboard. Like, this is a yeah. big billboard. Can I paint my house with this? Can we paint everybody's house with this? And, this and then is... we can all drive V8s. Okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> good point. But what I was thinking was like, hmm, what if we planted more trees? Yeah, well, there's that too. And I, um, I was kind of like thinking about... Revolutionary thought there, Lawson. But... I'm glad somebody came up with it. But the issue with... Pl- that, see, the thing here is... This one's been is this, before. this billboard, though. This this is this is a uh-huh, billboard that's uh-huh. created to advertise. So this whole thing is just a capitalistic ploy to get rid of trees and replace them with billboards to advertise things to people. Yeah, okay, but if the technology is there and I can paint my house with it, I'm going to have a house anyway. So why not yeah. have a house that cleans the air? Fully, but right now this is just restricted to billboards. And so I'm like, I'm like, hmm. Like, this is, okay, and <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is how you do a, uh, a feel-good act while destroying the planet kind of thing? This is, because think about it, it's like this guy. Well, hey, Dan- well think of the alternative. The alternative is to, uh, is to not have that kind of technology involved, and so you just have a normal billboard. <laughs> but what I will say, check this out, this is like a genius move from this Dan Rosengard guy, because he's like, okay, I've created this technology which eats air pollutants, what am I going to put it on? Billboards, and then I'll commission it to people who want it on their billboards. Genius. Um, but yeah, obviously, this is a good thing. It can be at least, and hopefully, we see this technology um, getting bigger in the future. This is Ellie Holcomb with Anchor of Hope. Marvelous, wonderful, infinite God, author of all that is good. Faithful provider and giver of life, source of all power and love. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise, refuge of strength to the end. Righteous Redeemer and mighty to save, He's the anchor of hope for the souls of Gracious, compassionate, merciful God, radiant, holy delight, beautiful Father, victorious Son, source of unchangeable light. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise, refuge of strength to the Redeemer and mighty to save He's the anchor of hope for the souls of men You are light and dark 
Shepherd who comes for the lost Rock of salvation, remarkable love Savior who died on the cross Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise Refuge of strength to the Welcome back to Faith FM. I wanted to say that was Helly. Ellie, man. I was like beating myself up in the break. I'm like, I'm sure I pronounced that wrong. It's Ellie Holcomb. H-O-L-C-O-M-B. Is that like the difference between bucket and bouquet? Yeah. Okay. It is. All right. But anyways. You made um, it sound nicer. So that's cool. I did. There you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> what am I? Another clue for the quiz here. So we know that uh, that this is crouching at Kane's door, and we also know that this is the sting of death. Oh, this is not a very good thing. This is not a good thing. What is this thing? The- if you know what this bad thing is, give us a call, 1-800-324-843, or text us on 0491-064-669. All right. Lyle, yes. what's happening? Okay, so around the world today, Pope Francis has just removed the pontifical secret. What? He has removed the pontifical the, secret. What is which means, the pontifical which means secret? means that the Roman Catholic Church is one micro step closer to coming out of a medieval mind step. I shouldn't say that. I really applaud what Pope Francis has done here. Maybe I've said that a little bit too strongly. It just frustrates me how long it takes sometimes for these guys to get their Okay, together. okay, you need to explain Okay, so this was uh, something that was recommended by the uh, Royal Commission Against uh, Child Abuse in Institutional Child Abuse here in Australia is that the uh, Vatican removes the pontifical secret. And what you've got to understand with the Vatican is that this is a country Mm. rather than just a church. It operates on a very, very different basis to your average church. Basically, the pontifical secret was that any abuse allegations investigated by the church were kept in secret, and the all of the files in relationship to that were locked away so that nobody could see. Now, by removing the pontifical secret... Uh, if, a, if an accusation of child abuse comes through to the Vatican Church outside of the confessional, uh, then they now have a a responsibility to pass that on. Or not a responsibility to pass it on, but it is not hidden. It is open. And so basically this was something that uh, Benedict came up with in 2001. It was a way of covering up <laughs> all of the church's sins. It was a major, major cover-up uh, that was um, legislated. Um, it ended up being used to protect pedophiles, to silence victims, to keep law enforcement away and, you know, enable the church to spend a lot, lot less money in um, in basically reparations for what their um, priests and other clergy had been doing wrong. So this is a really, really awful thing. Devious, 
horrible mm. thing. You can, it's hard to imagine a church that would do this. Oh. You know, there's, they're, they're investigating this priest. They find that, you know, he's abused like 300 children or whatever it might be. Uh, and I'm just speaking about a hypothet- hypothetical here. And they do nothing. They do not reveal it to the country where it is happening. They do not reveal it to the law enforcement. The law enforcement have to do their own separate investigation mm. alongside what the Catholic Church is doing. And when they ask the Catholic Church for what information they have, they say, well, it's covered by the, we're sorry, but it's covered by the pontifical secret. That is the so worst lame. form of that is international just the co- worst. Un- uncooperation that you can imagine. <laughs> you know, in relationship to protecting the most vulnerable portion of our population, which mm. is our children. And so I just absolutely am horrified at what Benedict did and absolutely applaud what pro- Pope Francis yeah. has done. In removing this, I wonder why it has taken so long. Mm. But it has, it it is done, and we need to credit where credit is due. Um, Of course, the Catholic Church has a long way yet to go, and a big thing that really needs to be addressed uh, that the Royal Commission pointed out was the seal of the confessional, as it is in Australia. All religious bodies and religious clergies are mandatory reporters of child sex abuse accusations except for the Roman Catholic Church. Mm. And I don't believe that that exception should exist. No, it shouldn't. I believe that Pope Francis needs to step up, he needs to man up, and while he's doing away with one piece of uh, Vatican law, he can do away with another piece of Vatican law. He's not bound to it by the Bible. It's something that uh, was created by the Catholic Church in the first place, and so they are free to change it back again. And the evidence is absolutely overwhelming that this uh, protection needs to be removed so that all accusations of child abuse are reported to authorities, Mm. that in all circumstances, everybody uh, who is involved in ministry is a mandatory reporter. Mm. Um, Now, of course... Having removed the pontifical secret, it doesn't say that the the, the records uh, of abuse will be handed over. It says that they can be handed over. Mm. Okay. So if the if if a country requests records of uh, of, a, of a priest and they say, well, we've both been investigating, it. can we see what you've seen? Then the Catholic Church now has the choice as to whether they do that or not. Whereas in the past they did not have the choice. Mm. Oh, okay. So, but it's not mandatory. It's not so mandatory. Like... It's not mandatory. It needs okay. to be mandatory. It needs to be just automatic. They they need to work in you know civilized countries. The police forces of civilized countries work in cooperation with each other. It's just as simple as that. Mm. Um. Another big move by Pope Francis and another move that is like a couple of, like a, I don't know, thousand years out of date, should have happened a long, long time ago, is that the age of consent has been moved from 14 to 18. You didn't okay, know, you okay, did not know okay. that, did you? I, I need to get Just process an that for idea a moment. of this. Okay, 14 to 18, where? In Vatican City? Or in the no, Catholic this Church? Is, this is in the Catholic Church because what you need to understand is that if you are a member of that church, you are by default a, uh, a citizen of that city and you come under both local government law and under Vatican law. No, but even in Australia? And so, well, basically it's like, it works like this. If a priest is looking at child pornography here in Australia... Mm-hmm. Under Australian law, if he gets caught by the Australian authorities, if he's looking at anyone under the age of 18, 
then he's going to go to jail. Mm. Uh, under Vatican law, he is not going to receive discipline unless the, or was, I should say, unless the child was under the age of 14. Okay. and So this specifically relates to pornography um, and the de- definition of what a child is. I'm still struggling to wrap my brain around. So yeah, yeah, you will. This, you will. Okay. I, and I'll guarantee all of our listeners are struggling right now this, to try and wrap their brain but around this law. How the ha- world's biggest Christian church can have an age of consent at 14. Okay, but so this has civil implications in Australia. No. In Australia, if they get caught, they're done. Okay, but this only because has Australia to... is going to snub their nose at Vatican law. Oh, so it's only... Okay, so it's, it's specifically only in the Vatican. No, it's not specifically only in the Vatican. It is worldwide unless the local law gets involved. Ah, uh, okay. So this deals with how a, a member of the clergy is disciplined by the church mm. for having done the wrong thing. Okay. Yes. My big issue here is not so much the the way the law operates. Uh, my big issue is that really it was at fourteen. When was it at fourteen? Who put it at fourteen? What kind of a culture puts that age of consent at fourteen? Mm. I mean, this is two thousand and nineteen, guys. Mm. And at last, and once again, I. I'm both frustrated and happy at the same time. I'm so frustrated it's taken so long, and I'm so happy it's happened. Mm. I hope that makes sense. It does, but it's at the same time. It's just. It's I, just I feel like these guys are being, you know, dragged kicking and screaming into 2019. Mm. And have they even made it yet? Like dragged kicking and screaming into 2019. Like I need to get, they need to get. They're rid definitely of the, not uh, there yet. They need to get rid of the seal of the confessional. <laughs> Anyway, three states in Australia had temperatures over 47 degrees with Australia's hottest annual day on record, uh, smashing all previous records. The last record was set in 2013. The national average temperature yesterday being 40.9. That was massive. And, of course, today we are set to smash... That record. That record. Well, definitely here in Newcastle, it's going to be yeah. blistering. Uh, temperatures uh, forecast to reach 20 degrees Celsius above the average for December. Um, so, yeah, a few hot ones yesterday. Birdsville had 47.7. It's nearly 48. Uh, Melbourne was nudging 40. Um, in Mandurah in Western Australia, I think that 47.3. Tasmania hit 31. You know, this is some of the cooler areas. Canberra is another cooler area, hit 36.7. And, of course, the heat is now moving across our way. So stay hydrated. That's the message for today. Here's April to keep us from stumbling. Here's April. When distances come between everything that we hold dear He is able to draw us into deeper life He is able to cut away like a knife Everything that keeps us from Him Everything that keeps us from Him 
Father, we've come in the name of your Son. Surrender is all that we bring. With nothing to give but the life you've begun, may your Spirit fill our souls to sing. He is able. Rises with an endless love, He is able to keep us when the dark descends on everything we have known. He is able to save us to the uttermost. He is able to fill us with His Holy Ghost. May everything we do show Him. Everything we do show him. Welcome back, guys. That was Josh White with He Is Able. You're listening to Faith FM, and we're about to have the next clue for our quiz, so get ready to answer. Ooh, this next clue, I like it because it's from a verse that I've memorized. It says this, Evil desire gives birth to me, and I give birth to death. Quite the verse you're memorizing there, Lawson. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, all right. All right, what is this, if what you know the is answer? this thing that gives birth to death? Yeah. Wow. 1-800-324-843. Text us. Are you missing? 491 we are having too much fun here on Faith FM this morning. But a very special welcome, welcome to Dr. Sven Erstring. Thank you, Lyle. Okay, so oh, yep. Wait, wait. It might work it. better if we switch the microphone on. Okay. Yeah, so thank you. It's good to be back. Yes. I did say that before, but I was mute. You so were. I was. We might have been able to hear you in the background. I don't know, but in the background, you are here. Tell us, we have a fascinating subject to cover today. We're going to talk about the miracle of Christmas. Yes, yeah. Look, Christmas is a, a magnificent time, and uh, you know when you think about all of the the experiences you've had over Christmas, um, it's just. Um, you know, sometimes you could say it's like a miracle. I remember when I was uh, living in England, so I went up to a family friends 
and living close to Manchester, and it was just like a white dump of snow. And I looked out in the morning, and there was this little red fox just kind of wandering across the the snow, left, leaving these footprints. <laughs> and it's magical. It's that um, is amazing. It's it's a miracle. And um, but I guess the thing is here is that often what we kind of forget is that at the very heart of Christmas is a miracle. It's uh, Christmas is not about presents or Santa Claus. Are, are, are uh, your children convinced of this, that Christmas is not about presents? Uh, well, that's... He's that, trying. That, that's, He's that, trying. We're, They're we're on trying, their way. We're trying. We're, we're I'm working teaching on them that. a philosophy of Christmas. But, <laughs> we're, we're working on that but, one, but, yeah. but the thing is at the heart of it, it's yeah, not about yeah. Christmas trees. Right. It's not about, you know, presents. It's not about Santa. It's, it's about... A, a miracle, mm. a miracle which, which occurred and, and which it's really amazing. The Bible actually predicts this miracle, um, uh, hundreds of years before it even happens. So if you, if you turn with me in your Bibles as you're driving to work, I know you're not supposed to do that. So, so I, um, I recommend you do that. Uh, but if you go to, uh, to Isaiah, uh, chapter chapter 7 and you go down to verse 14 it says this therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign uh, and a sign in the Bible means a miracle it means a, a supernatural sign behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel mm-hmm. and and so first of all we have this this incredible miracle that that a virgin shall conceive now the question for us is is that naturally, physically possible, a virgin to conceive? There's a really interesting question. Some would argue that the word for virgin here in Isaiah uh, refers to a young woman. Yes. And, and could even be a reference to Isaiah's wife. It could be, yes. And she was married. Uh, definitely, definitely. So, so she, from that perspective, wasn't a virgin because indeed, she was already married. Indeed. But the thing is this, is that when you go to the Septuagint, which is the the Greek translation of the Old Testament, they, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, they read this and they say, how are we going to translate this? And they put in the Greek word for for virgin. And I think the other significant thing is that when you come to the New Testament, uh, the New Testament actually defines that this is a woman who has not been with a man. That's right. Mm. That's right. And clarifies that for us, just in case we were, you know, if we'd had that verse just on its own, we didn't have the New Testament, we could say, well, you know, maybe it's just a young woman. But when you come to the New Testament, it is super clear that, yes. no, 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 Isaiah was talking about and prophesying in relationship to somebody, a, a woman who's never been with a man, otherwise never had sex. That's mm-hmm. right. And, and, and the reality is this, is that we always, when we're looking at the Bible, we should always interpret the Old Testament in the light of the New Testament. The New Testament kind of expands, expounds, it um, opens up what the Old Testament is really saying. So you have this um, this amazing miracle, uh, which was predicted hundreds of years before it actually happened. And then it really did happen. And that's the, that's the heart of Christmas, that this supernatural event um, actually occurred. Now the question is this, and and look, like we have actually talked about this on on Faith FM um, breakfast show before. But the question is, is it logical for miracles like this to to actually happen? Mm. Because a lot of scientists would say this is 
physically impossible to happen. So it just can't happen at all. Here's, here's an interesting thought. Let me toss, toss this one at you, uh, Dr. Sven. Um, some people would say that a miracle is just the use of information or technology that another society has not yet discovered. So, so it's kind of, uh, they, ter- they look at it as a miracle and over time we would come back because we've understood because we can do uh, conceptions. We can, yeah. yeah, we can do virgin births today, you know, um, set it all up in a test tube and so forth, not a problem. And, and, it, all, and it all occurs. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a really interesting uh, thing, Lyle, because I, I've got a friend, uh, well, not, not a close friend, but, but a friend um, who never got married and really wanted to have kids. And, and she decided that she wanted to have some kids. So, so she actually conceived and had some birth. children. And, and look, um, you know, whether you, whether you totally agree with that, and I can understand she was, you know, lonely and, and wanted to have the, the joy of having kids. Um, the reality is that we can do it today. So it sounds like to me then that miracles um, in, in this sense um, it comes from, it's like all about perception and context then. Well, I think of- there's some other context that we need to look at here, and that is the simple reality that, uh, you know, 2,000 years ago, they didn't have the technology we have today. Mm. But, but the other thing is this is, okay, so, so this is a really important point is um, because some people will say that every conception is a miracle. You know, mm. um, that, that when, 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 um, my daughter was, was conceived and we could see her embryo and, um, uh, growing in, um, in my wife's, uh, womb and, and they'd say, that's amazing. It's a miracle. Mm-hmm. And so, so what does, you know, what are we really talking about here at Christmas? Is it, is it really a miracle or is it just a surprise? Uh, fancy words. You know what I mean? Well, here's, here's something else. Because I think when we look at the virgin birth and we look at this prophecy of the virgin birth, we often get sidetracked by the fact that a virgin is giving birth. Mm. And we see that as the bigger miracle. You know what I see? I see the bigger miracle being the fact that 700 years before it happened, God predicted it. Yes. Because you know, prediction I see as being much more difficult than yeah, a virgin birth. The, the key thing here is that, that I think it's really important because some people say... <coughs> All of life is a miracle. The whole universe is a miracle. And, mm. and therefore, we shouldn't actually sort of necessarily make this one thing distinct. The, the key here is to understand what we call the primary cause or who is really responsible. Now, mm. for, for natural conceptions, the, the, the decision which made that possible was, was a couple who decided to, to, to conceive. Now, of course, you know, there's a whole lot of, uh, shall I say, random things that are occurring, but it was them that act- that couple that actually decided to go ahead. So, so we could say that that was a human decision. Now, going back to those, that situation where, where my friend had a, um, had children, that was a decision by human beings. Uh, the, um, my friend and the, the, um, uh, the scientists who actually made it happen. Now, there's another one, and this is, Lyle, um, uh, th- this is a little bit more kind of uh, sinister, shall I say, a little bit dark, and I recognize this. But the reality is this, is that in the world in which we live, uh, you can, we can have situations like date rapes, for example. 
and conceptions mm. can occur in that situation as well. And that's, that's a, um, that's a very dark. It's, a, it's an evil situation. But, um, the thing is in the situation for Christmas, who was the primary person responsible for that conception? It was God's decision himself. Mm. And that's what makes it a supernatural miracle. And that's why we need to make a distinction. God, yes, God has created the whole universe. Uh, life is itself is a miracle, but this, one here was a direct decision by God, which he, as you said, lol, foretold hundreds of years beforehand, which is really, really amazing. And, you know, it's interesting that um, the fact is this is that miracles can occur. And it's not just we don't live in a big machine that just goes on uh, that God can't intervene. He can. Mm. He can intervene follows, in your lives. And follows set laws. That's right. Yeah, this is one of the one of the mistakes that the antediluvians made. You know, nature follows set That's laws. That's right. And then nature didn't. That's right. And so, so what we have here is an amazing supernatural miracle that was directly caused by God. And why did he want to do this? Uh, the Bible tells us that, as John says, the word became flesh. Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. Why? So that we could see his, his glory. We could see his grace. We could experience his salvation as well. And, and Lyle... Um, and, and Lawson, this is where I want to come back to what it means for us. You know, we could experience a miracle this Christmas. Do you realize that? Uh, anyone listening um, to us right now could experience a personal miracle as well. And I want to come to, to John, uh, John chapter 1. And uh, just in the verses before um, uh, the verse that I read, it says this, But to all who received him talking about Jesus, to all who receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So he's saying it's not a natural thing. It, it wasn't caused by a, a human decision. Uh, this is a decision uh, that we can choose, but is actually caused by God. Mm. We can be born again. Wow. And so if you want to, to make a new start at Christmas, I was down at the stable door and uh, the, the, the preacher at the end actually talked about becoming a new you, uh, a totally transformed you, you know, where, where everything about you, you know, if you want to be a person that, you know, you tell the truth, uh, you don't get angry, you, you, um, you have a sense of peace. Uh, you you walk with integrity. Uh, you can experience that miracle this Christmas, and I I want to to just invite all of our listeners to just read through uh, the the Gospel of John and choose to to be part of that miracle this Christmas. Mm. And so when we look at you know the big miracles that have taken place in our world, and you know if you start to compare them, and, and it's probably a false thing to do is to compare one miracle with another miracle and say, well, this one's greater and this one's lesser. Um, we've got, you know, within the Christmas miracle story, you've got two big miracles in my view. You've got the fact that God predicts it yes. long before it happens. And then you've got the fact that God does it and a virgin does give birth. And yes. this virgin, you know, gives birth to a child that does not have a human father. Um, you know, that's that's a s outstanding, sensational miracle. Without the aid of technology or, or yeah, any yeah, science. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. Absolutely. None of that. None of that. Um, you know, um, but then you've got, 
Then you've got what this child grows up to do, and ultimately what this child grows up to do is to be able to change your life and to change my life, mm. you know, to change your life as a listener, radically change your mm. life for the better. Um, out of all of these miracles, which one do you rate as the highest? That's like how do you how do you even rate a miracle, right? How do you rate a miracle? Yeah, but but look, the thing is that it's all within the the big big story, um, as they'd say, the meta narrative. Yeah. We what we're talking about is a God who does intervene. And he does want to be part of our lives, whether it's uh, by giving us prophecies, whether it's by um, entering into this world as a baby, or whether it's by intervening in your life. Mm. And the other thing as well as this is it's not just a once-off event. So it's not just in a stable um, 2,000 years ago. It's not just, you know, say on, on Christmas Eve when you have a whole lot of time, you read the Gospel of John and, and you make that decision, yes, I want to be born again. The fact is this, even on New Year's Day, one week later, you can still pray a prayer and God will still intervene and work another miracle in your life uh, no matter what that is and what you need, um, God will work the best miracle in, his, in your life. And it could be just to say, Lord, I, I just need peace. Um, I, you know, uh, all of these things are happening in my life. Just give me peace and God can do it for you. Yeah, fantastic. Mm. Um, we need to move on with the show. Uh, this is uh, Lauren Daigle, What Child Is This? Um, Sven, thank you so much for joining us again this morning. No problem at all. Child is this who lay to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping whom angels greet with anthem sweet while shepherds watch are keeping this this is Christ the King whom shepherds guide and angels sing Haste, haste to bring him Lord The babe, the son of Mary So bring him incense, gold and myrrh Come peasant king to own him The king of kings Salvation brings Let loving hearts enthrone him This, this is Christ the King Whom shepherds, God and angels sing Haste, haste to bring him, Lord The faith, the Son of
to mind when you think of studying nursing practical experience a rewarding career great employment prospects when you think of nursing think of avondale college of higher education 92.7 percent of our nursing graduates were employed within four months of completing their degree with credible experience and with friends for life to apply now visit avondale.edu.au it's higher education designed for life Are drugs or alcohol a problem in your life? Alcohol Drugs Assist, or ADA, is a 12-step recovery program designed to help you escape the hold of addictions in a friendly and judgment-free environment. ADA meets regularly, and if you'd like to attend, give Peter a call or text on 0487 907 879. That's 0487 907 879. Listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. The journey across a desert land. Nothing sure and nothing planned Faith in something still unknown The Savior born without a home Shepherds gather from afar Darkness broken by a star Something new that always was A newborn baby God with us Someday What once was broken in the world, a 
amazing grace has now restored. Someday He'll give His life for me. But now He sleeps so peacefully. Christmas night. 